The Bible tells us that God works for the good of those who love him. But we know that good doesn't always mean that things are easy. This podcast is dedicated to sharing God's goodness in all kinds of circumstances. Because life is hard and messy, but God is good and doesn't change. Hello, and welcome back to Good Things Podcast. We're so glad to have you with us today. I'm Emily Honey. And I am Charlie Glenn. And we are your hosts for this fun ride that you're about to take today. So we hope you enjoy this episode. We're going to have a really, really special guest today on our episode. But before we reveal to you who our surprise special guest is, why don't we go ahead and do our good things, Mom? Why don't you tell us what something good is right now in your life? Okay. I adopted a new dog in May. I think it was the beginning of April. In April? Was it May? April. I don't know. I can't remember now. (laughs) Recently. Yeah, the end of April. (laughs) And I am taking her to classes, and she is going to be a therapy dog. And she is doing really well with Mm. her training. Every once in a while, because she's like a year and a half old, and every once in a while, like, Today, this morning after a rainy day, and we didn't go out and practice a lot. When I told her down, she didn't really want to do that. Yeah. So she was balking a lot on down. Everything else she did was great, but yeah, I don't know, something about down. Right. So. Was the ground wet or something still? Yeah, the sidewalk, well, but I tried not to stop in a place where it was wet. Well, hmm. But it still may have been holding moisture, yeah. and it was it's cool out today. That's fun. She is really sweet and she actually does listen really well. She's a good dog. Good pick. Good pick. That's fun. I have started practicing the ukulele again. I kind of pick it up off and on occasionally. And I actually, it started because I listened to JJ Heller. I don't know if you have heard of her. She's a musician. I'm sure I've told you about her mom, but... Yeah, the name sounds familiar. Her music is just beautiful. It's very melodic and often very, I want to say soft, because she has upbeat things, but just like kind of soothing. I don't know. It's really, really great. So you should look up her music, but she had recently re-released an album and um, did some different arrangements of the same songs, and they're just really pretty. And one of them was It's You I Like by Fred Rogers. And uh-huh. I just I just love that song. And I was listening to that album and I was like, I want to play this on the ukulele and sing it to my children. Like, because I just, uh-huh. I love that song. It's so yes. precious and it's just so true. Like it's not, says things like, it's not your toys. It's not the things that hide you. It's you way down deep inside you. It's you I like. And so I just, I love that song. So I found the ukulele chords online and started practicing and my fingers are very slow but (laughs) I haven't played the ukulele like eight months so that's fine but it's just really fun it's just kind of a fun thing to do to play music um, sometimes and learn to play a new song I'm excited about it just a little something that's fun so there that's my good thing. Just I having a ukulele, it. which I got from my parents several years ago for Christmas and yes, being yeah. able to use it is fun. So that is a cool. lot of fun. Yeah. So if you're interested in hearing more 
good things or sharing your good things with us because we would really love to hear your good things to go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. You can hear more of the good things going on in our lives, but also head over to Instagram or Facebook and follow us and like our posts, make, send comments and that sort of thing because we love hearing from you and we love hearing what your good things are or having you respond to any other random questions I may ask on our <laughs> social. Also don't expect to hear from Charlie because you won't, she won't be on there at all, but you can interact with me. And if yeah. you have something to say to Charlie, I'll pass it along. So you just let me know that way. And um, we just would really uh, appreciate that interaction because we kind of can feel like, you know, we're just out here just talking to each other. So if any, anybody wants to send us any comments, we'd be really happy to hear those from you all. Also just, you know, if anything's been really impactful or enjoyable, any of our shows, our episodes, we'd love it if you would share those with somebody. You may even want to share today's episode with somebody because it's about something that probably gets talked about a lot in certain circles, but in the podcasts I listen to and the things that I watch and I don't know, just my little corner of the world, I don't hear a lot about it. And probably just because I'm not looking into it a lot. I know that there are a lot of things out there about it, but our guest today is um, someone who deals with a food sensitivity. So it's not technically an allergy, but it is like an autoimmune disease. So actually, our guest today is Charlie. Bum, bum, Hi, bum. everybody. Everybody's shocked. <laughs> so I'm not going to have her tell you about herself. You'll have to go back to one of the episodes where we talk more about ourselves. And maybe in the future, we'll do an episode where we talk more about ourselves as well. But she actually was diagnosed with celiacs a number of years ago. So I am going to ask her some questions and let her tell you about that and her journey and what God's taught her on that. Because I think that food sensitivities, food allergies, that kind of thing are a lot more common now, um, or at least a lot more diagnosed now than ever before. And also they can, it can definitely impact, it impacts your whole life when you can't have a certain food or certain foods. So mom, why don't you tell us about when you found out you had celiacs? How long ago was it? How did you figure it out? What was going on at the time? All that good stuff. Okay. I found out in 2010 is when I was diagnosed with celiac sprue disease. Most of you know that as having to eat gluten, gluten-free. Right. <laughs> Most of you don't really, probably don't know the name celiac. You haven't associated it with much of anything, but we are the people who absolutely have no choice to stay healthy. We have to eat gluten-free. It was a, it was really quite interesting how I found out everybody's story is different, but in 2008, Emily and Jeremy got married. And I remember in June after their wedding, I started having these blisters periodically on my elbows, just weird. I worked in a manufacturing business and I did things in the shop um, because I was a daddy's girl and I liked tools and things like that. So I went to the doctor and I was like, you know, I keep having these blisters. At first I thought it was like a spider bite or something. Mm, yeah. 
So I went to the doctor and he's like, well, it's just contact dermatitis. So I spent the next year or two um, trying to figure out what I was touching that was causing yeah. this rash. So in 2010, I had scheduled because I'm fair complected and I tended to get burned when I was out in the sun growing up. And those were a long time ago. Those were the days where you rubbed yourself down with baby oil and laid outside, really baked yourself. <laughs> I didn't do that. Made often. your skin look like a turkey skin. Yeah. I didn't do that often, but I did do a 20 mile walk for mankind one year. And so I had huge blisters on my shoulders and my neck and back and mm. from just taking seven hours to walk 20 miles and probably never once put on sunscreen or wore a hat or anything like that. Yeah. Those yeah. just weren't the days that we did those kind of things. That wasn't sure. something you really thought about. So I had scheduled a dermatology appointment for a skin check because I was getting older and I thought I should probably start watching this because I did, when I burned, I usually burned pretty badly. So I went to, I actually prayed that I would have the rash. And sure enough, I had this big blister on my left arm, went to see the dermatologist and didn't have anything from sunburns, but I showed her this rash, this blister, and she goes, okay, we need to biopsy that. And I was mm -hmm. like, really? What do you think it's from? And she said, well, either you are allergic to the sun or you have celiac. And I was yeah. like, really? And she's like, yeah, really? So we're going to biopsy mm -hmm. it. She said, there's medication I can give you for this rash. It's called herpetiformis. Ooh, now I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that it matters yeah, what the name of the medication anyway, was. Anyway, it is a rash associated with celiac spray disease. Not everyone gets it. So she biopsied it, and when it came back, she informed me that it did show gluten sensitivity. And she said, you know, there is, uh, oh, I was saying, there is a medication she could give me for the rash, but she said, I'm not going to give you that until you go to the gastroenterologist and have your small intestine biopsied, because that is the only way that we can specifically tell that you have celiac. I know they do a lot of blood tests now and mm -hmm. can determine that, but the true test that I had actually shows the villi in your small intestine that digest your food, they're laying down flat. So they're not digesting your food. So I was getting nutrition. People who are not aware of the biology of the inside of the stomach, the villi are kind of like little fingers sticking up on the inside, really, really tiny ones. And they're supposed to stand up. And that's part yeah. of how they digest your food. But hers yeah. are all laying down flat, which is not good. Right. Now, I'm just going to say that for those of you that you don't all have to run out to the doctor, but the tip of those villi is what digest lactose. It's possible if you're lactose intolerant that you need to be checked for celiac. But it's not specifically associated just with celiac. So anyway, I guess I'm lactose intolerant as a result. That was interesting. So I made this appointment with my gastroenterologist, had um, the biopsy, or biopsy done. Yeah. yeah, it's an endoscopy. And I had that done and I decided <laughs> because my dermatologist reported come back that it was gluten. Between the time I had my biopsy done and got the results from my doctor, I 
ate everything gluten that I loved. Mm, cinnamon rolls. Yeah. I was like, my husband, I was like, I want to go get pizza. I want to go to this place and get a cinnamon roll. I want to do this. I mean, I bombarded my body with gluten mm -hmm. just on the off chance that it came back that I had celiac and had to stop eating gluten. And I remember you saying specifically to me before you had the endoscopy or however you say it, um, I really hope that I'm allergic to the sun. I'll be fine to never go outdoors again. I will wear hats <laughs> and long sleeves and gloves. Like you were like, I just don't want to be allergic to gluten. I want to be able to eat gluten. That didn't happen. On right. Tuesday after my Friday endoscopy, I got a call from my doctor's nurse and she said, I am so sorry to have to tell you this, but you do have celiac. Yeah. And I, I, I just didn't really know much about it. I know that several years earlier, my sister-in-law thought she had it. So they all started eating gluten-free and it was just so hard to do that. And even the few years earlier than 2010, when they were doing it, it was hard to find gluten-free foods. It was anything. hard to, yeah. yeah, everything. You had to mix all your own flours. You had to do everything by scratch. It was really a lot of hard work. So by 2010, some of that had become better, but it didn't really impact me at that moment what a gigantic change was about to take place in my life. Yeah. So tell us about kind of how, I mean, because you kind of went through withdrawals, right? So tell us about kind of the weaning off of gluten process and how you felt and that, how that affected you emotionally and overall? It was very difficult. I remember the first few months I ate a lot of grilled chicken breasts and salad because I knew they were safe. I didn't know what I could eat at a restaurant. I, I lost 15 pounds that first few months just trying to figure out how to eat, what to eat. And as I began to learn more and more about my disease. I found out because I have the rash that goes with it, not only do I have to avoid gluten in my food, I have to avoid it in my makeup, my lotions, anything I put on my skin or my yeah. hair. So it's even more difficult because I have to use all products that are gluten-free. Right. It's not just things you ingest. It's right. anything that you come into contact with, basically. Right. Because, you know, when you put lotion on, it goes into your bloodstream and everything in my life was going to change. The enormous change in the kitchen of having to get rid of wooden spoons and wooden cutting blocks and yeah. anything wooden that had been used before because they harbor gluten. My husband didn't have celiac, so he agreed to eat gluten-free, but we made him a little space on the kitchen counter where he could have a few things like bread. He could have bread, but he could right. not have it anywhere but there. He had to make his sandwich or whatever there, and then it had to be very thoroughly cleaned. Yes, he had so, to wash his hands really well. And, right. And his mouth, like he would oh, yeah. he, he she wouldn't kiss him like if he well, had 
You know, and I didn't even mm-hmm. think about that. I remember one day we had eaten something and I reached over to kiss him and he stopped me and he's like, I have to go brush my teeth and clean my mouth and face because I just had gluten. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I never thought of that. At least he thought of that. Like he was really good about protecting you and thinking about that sort of thing and, and taking care of you for sure. Right. He really retained all the details. Yes, he did. <laughs> about it. So it was really hard. I remember realizing that, man, this is a grief process. Yeah. A huge grief process. When you're in your fifties and you're diagnosed with this and all of a sudden you have to stop eating certain foods, and I'm sure this is true for diabetics and other people, but because food, there is no medication for celiac. Eating correctly, eating without gluten is our medicine. That's what keeps us healthy. I remember just bawling on the way home from a grocery store one day, realizing that I would never be able to walk up to like a counter where they sold baked goods and say, oh, I want a cookie or I want a piece of cake or whatever. Realizing that I could never do that again because those things were all filled with gluten. And I wept like a baby all the way home. It was awful. Yeah, well, and those are very different. Gluten is sticky, and so it makes this nice texture that is hard. Yeah, that is hard to replicate in things that don't have gluten in them. Right. So tell me more about when you finally got the gluten out of your system, because there was kind of this process of figuring out what you could eat, what you couldn't eat, what you could use even. I remember you giving me like lotion and be like, I can't use this. It has weed in it. Do you want it? (laughs) I can't use, you know, you had your scalp was itchy and you're like, I can't use the shampoo. It has weed in it, that kind of thing. So tell me about once you kind of got through the, the worst part of that. So how did it go? Like, how did you feel? How physically were you? That kind of thing. It took a good nine months for my body to heal all the way to realize that I, how I'd always felt wasn't normal. I did not have symptoms in my gut. A lot of people do. That's a lot of the problem. I do now if I get cross-contaminated. But I did not yet at the point of my diagnosis. I didn't really see a lot of change there until, and you're going to think this is TMI, but it's not in the world of celiac. To get to a point where I had like one bowel movement a day was like, oh, this is normal? I thought what I did was normal, (laughs) which was multiples a day. (laughs) So there were weird little things that I didn't know about didn't even think about that weren't normal in my body. So the fact that I could never gain weight was really weird. And, but I loved it. I was always skinny. She ate anything she wanted. Yeah. Cake for breakfast, like half a pie. As a teenager, I really, really resented her ability (laughs) to be skinny because I was not skinny and do not have that, did not have that. And, um, you know, now I don't resent it at all because I'm to find out she has celiacs. She wasn't um, getting the nutrients she needed. I remember the elder women at the church I attended back then were like, do you have anorexia? And I was like, no, you should see what I eat every day. Yeah. I mean, I eat a lot of healthy food, but in between I could drink half a liter of Dr. Pepper, half a two liter 
of Dr. Pepper, which is the leader in a day, never be phased, brownies, cookies, cakes, pies, anything and everything. Lasagna. Icing on crackers, like just spreading icing on a cracker and eating it. Yeah. Just, I, this I, blows I, my mind. Junk food person. But, but sweets, no, really. I also ate, you know, I made healthy meals. I ate those yes, healthy meals. That's true. I like this as well. So yes. it was um, very difficult for the first time in my life to start gaining weight and to see myself change in the mirror from that really skinny person to what everybody said is, oh, you just look so healthy. And I would look in the mirror and go, I look fat. That was, that was really hard for me. Yeah. I don't think I talked to a lot of people about it, but it was extremely mentally difficult to see myself gain weight. And it's been a little over 10 years and there are still times that I look in the mirror and go, oh, I just don't like the way I look, but I didn't know how unhealthy I was. I want you guys to understand too, that when you have celiac, you are malnourished and you can go on celiac.org and you can look at all the symptoms. And I had up until that point, I went through about 10 years of anxiety, which turned into depression. And those are symptoms of celiac. Yeah. You have to realize when you're malnourished, every organ in your body is malnourished, including the brain. So there's a lot of things going on inside you that could be associated with that. If you're experiencing weird stuff, you know, just go ask for a test, even if they just do the blood test to find out yeah. that there may be something as far as gluten related that's affecting your emotions. I know that my thyroid improved. I was yeah. already on thyroid medicine and I have to, I don't have to take as much now. Right. So yeah. that was, that was a shock to me. <laughs> a nice shock. Yes. That was a yeah. positive. And my fingernails are really strong now and they never were right. before. <laughs> mm, that doesn't make me feel very good about my outlook for getting to continue to eat gluten. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay because I've been with you throughout this journey. It's, it's fairly easy for me to go without eating gluten. I know yeah. how to cook gluten-free and I know how all the things that you had to learn the hard way. Yeah. If, if I had to go without gluten, I could do it. It's really amazing how my family has come alongside me and really takes care of me, especially now that Byron's gone. They, um, I even have a couple of friends who I had to ask a friend to order something for me one day recently at a ladies luncheon I was going to and I got there and the other ladies were like and she just really lit into them and she told them how careful they needed to be mm -hmm. and they needed to change their gloves and they needed to yeah. do this and I just feel so privileged and honored to have family and friends who look out for me in that way because sometimes I just forget I just get lax about yeah. it or I don't, I just don't want to deal with it, but you know, I have to deal with it. I can yeah. tell this is not an allergy for me. So I don't find out immediately, but within right. 24 hours, I know that I've been cross contaminated. Yeah. So tell me the difference between allergy and celiac disease. So how come it's not an allergy? Mine is an autoimmune disease. So when I ingest gluten, 
my body begins to fight itself. It attacks mm -hmm. my small intestine. So my body is, and I don't know all the medical scientific terminology, but autoimmune diseases are where your body begins to attack itself, mm -hmm. parts of itself. So that's why the small intestine is what gets attacked and that's where your food's digested and it can just cause a million problems because yeah. your gut in a lot of ways controls your whole body, <laughs> your health. An allergy is like if you get stung by a bee and you break out in hives or your tongue starts swelling or your lips yeah. start swelling, anything like that. That's something where you can go into anaphylactic shock. Right. So it's going to cause an immediate reaction if you have an allergy. A, a very quick reaction that's very detrimental to your health. Mm -hmm. Mine is not going to kill me. It's not going to put me in a position that way. It is going to make me uncomfortable. And my gut has to, you know, I might have a stomach ache for a couple of days and some other ramifications, but nothing that could turn into a deadly situation like an allergy can. Yeah. Yeah. But when we order food, it is still better to describe it as an allergy. Right. The restaurant food industry, they don't quite get the grasp of cross-contamination and the importance it is for someone with celiac, especially, I hate to harbor bitterness toward anyone, but within a year or so after my diagnosis, everybody in the world decided to eat gluten-free as kind of a diet, fad, a diet right. to lose weight. Right. That really was detrimental to those of us with celiac because then the food industry didn't take it as seriously as they were taking it. Yeah. The from restaurant industry, yeah, right? The, the rest, restaurant industry uh, from my perspective, because they just thought it's just a fad. No, there are those of us who it is our health. Right. It is a matter of being ill or staying healthy. Yes. And, when we get cross-contaminated, it takes three to nine months for our small intestine to heal that, yeah, just from that one time of cross-contamination. So it's not something to play with, something to go out of your way to eat gluten or to put yourself in a position to get cross-contaminated. Yeah, because even though you only feel sick for a few days, your intestines are still sick for months. Right. Yeah. So talk about how food has changed, like the availability of gluten-free products has changed in the past 11 years. There Not necessarily are, at restaurants, but in Right. And the grocery store. Yeah. The food industry has stepped up and they do have strict guidelines for being able to put gluten-free on their packaging. So that is helpful. My only now you would think that I wouldn't care about this, but since now I gain weight, <laughs> I do care about this. One of the things that made me sad when they started putting out all these products was how in a lot of them, the second ingredient is like sugar to just make it taste good. So I encourage you to be careful and continue to read the ingredients put in the gluten-free packaging, just, you know, to make sure you're not overindulging in a certain area like sugar. So I feel like that is one of the yeah. detrimental things that I watch out for. Yeah, even it's some a, of the flowers, I remember like the different brands. I think it was Bisquick brand flower, like 
just has a ton of sugar in it. It didn't really yeah, use different flour. They're gluten-free Bisquick. The second ingredient was sugar. And I don't like sweet biscuits. So that <laughs> super annoyed me. That's just my preference. <laughs> that really annoyed me. There's a lot, a lot more out there. There's a lot more to choose from, especially if you need a quick meal. We have Brahms in Oklahoma and they have a freezer section with pre-made meals. And Annie, just called Annie's, I think. Annie's has some gluten-free pre-made meals and I will eat those from time to time. I've never had any negative reactions to that. So I appreciate the fact that there are things like that available because I don't like to cook. And so what would someone do? Say they have a friend or something that has celiacs and how could they provide a meal for them? Maybe like their friend had a baby or a death in the family or something like that. Because I remember after dad passed away, lots of people wanted to bring us food and did, but there was a lot of it you couldn't eat, but there was some that you could. So what would you recommend for people who want to provide food for someone who has celiacs or some kind of allergy? I would ask you if they have celiacs specifically, I would ask you to go to a health food store or a freezer section where you can find yeah. a pre-made lasagna that's gluten-free. I had a friend who went to this store called Aikens here in Oklahoma City and she bought me some crackers and snacks and certain things just so that I could have something quick to eat. Mm-hmm. In spite of the fact that I'm lactose intolerant, I keep lactate around. So I do eat cheese. I do eat dairy products. So if your friend eats dairy products, you can take them, you know, yeah. a cheese board and a box of um, gluten-free crackers. Yeah. And just things like that. Unless you want to totally clean your kitchen Get rid of, not use any of your wooden spoons or cutting boards. You really can't cook for us. You really yeah. can't. It's a risk every time. It's very intense. Yeah, there needs to be a designated gluten-free area, basically, yeah. to be able to cook for someone. That doesn't include wooden countertops or cutting boards or anything like that. Right. So, like, when mom comes to stay with us, I we'll get rid of all the gluten stuff or put it all away because like Jeremy just doesn't, he's probably not going to read the things that I leave out. I mean, he knows like bread and other stuff has gluten in it, but um, there's even things if they're processed in a plant that processes gluten, right. wheat, she can't have it. And so even things that don't have gluten in them, but are processed in somewhere that could have been cross contaminated. Like I put those things away and I, wipe everything down and um i use paper towels i don't use a i don't use a cloth because i feel like if i get gluten on a cloth i'm just going to be spreading around other places and that feels silly to me so i use right. paper towels for each area and wipe each area down and wipe out the fridge we open new jars of things like peanut butter not that she eats peanut butter she doesn't but we open new jars of things like we open a new package of butter we open, you know, things like that. Because if you double dip after you've spread a knife on bread into the butter or into the peanut butter, it has gluten in it and right. then it's contaminated. So it is very, very um, labor intensive, but it is also possible. 
Like we eat gluten when mom is not around. And so if you want to do that for someone, you can. <laughs> you feel free to send me a message and I can go into more detail about the things that I do. Uh, I might be a little extreme because, you know, we wash our hands and stuff like that. So, um, but I do things like wipe down the doorknobs and the light switches and just because she's my mom and I want to make sure that she can eat at my house and not get sick. So it's a, it is a very um, extensive process if you're wanting to cook for someone, for sure. Right. For sure. But there are great, like most places have sprouts. There are great things at sprouts, Whole Foods, all kinds of places like that. Even Walmart actually has right. decent. In the freezer section, they carry some options. of the meals. Yeah. Tyson has gluten-free chicken nuggets and. Yeah. What other kind do you get? Um, oh, I starts with a P. I can't remember. I tell you where it right now off yeah. the top of my oh, head. <laughs> there's a lot more available for children, like the chicken nuggets and things yes. like that, because there are children, obviously, with celiac. And yes, there are some great uh, baking cake mixes yes. and things like that that you can buy for your children for their birthdays or just when you're going to have dessert at home. It's a lot easier than having to make it all from scratch anymore. Yes. So you have a lot of options available that weren't there in 2010. Yeah, definitely. And I think I, I just want to go back to what you said, Mom, about food being your medicine, because gluten-free stuff tends to be more expensive, which is kind of silly, right. I think, but it just is, or it's smaller amounts or whatever. And so you have said to me, you view buying gluten-free food as like paying for medication. Right. So you, you think of it that way. Um, you're paying for staying healthy the same way you would buy a prescription for like your thyroid or your diabetes or whatever you might need to continue to stay healthy. So right. paying that little bit extra is one way to ensure that you stay healthy. Exactly. It helped me mentally to deal with the higher prices. If I go out to eat where a place that I consider that I can actually feel like I can eat there safely, my food costs a lot more than yours because yeah. they're taking extra precautions and they brought in like a gluten-free pizza crust, which those aren't cheap. Automatically, I know I'm going to pay more for something than most of you. Yeah. And so just keeping in mind that it's the way this stay healthy, I think is right. Is helpful yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it is. So. What encouragement would you offer for somebody who's maybe dealing with something like celiacs or even I know whenever I had Owen and I was breastfeeding, I found out I couldn't have any dairy at all if I wanted to keep doing that. And, you know, we could have switched to formula. That is definitely an option, but I chose to keep breastfeeding and I couldn't even have like casein. I couldn't have dairy protein. He was so, yeah. um, you know, sensitive to it. So what like advice or encouragement would you offer to somebody who's dealing with something like that? Find a support group. I couldn't have made it without, I'm looking this up right now. On Facebook, Oklahoma has the Oklahoma Cel Celiac Support Group. Yeah. They were just such a great resource for me people dealing with the same things I was dealing with, people sharing recipes, things like that. Um, you can go on Facebook and just type in celiac. It pulls up a whole bunch of different Facebook pages 
for people with yeah. celiac. So that's really great. For years, I took Simply Gluten-Free magazine. It has great articles and great resources. Uh, so I would say check into those types of options. You know, you can always contact me through our Facebook and our Instagram, and I am happy to chat with you and help you any way I can. I think it will, how do I address this? Sometimes your family may think you're nuts. And, you know, my dad would tease me all the time, but I think he was kind of serious. He's like, like have an Oreo and he goes, you can eat this. And I was like, no, I can't. And he goes, yes, you can. I said, yes, I actually could. I could choose to eat that, but I prefer to feel good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I think some people, especially in the early 2000s, thought it was just a, all in our head. Mm -hmm. um, but it is all in our body. So you really need a support group to walk through it with you because we're, people will say dumb things or treat you as if it's not real, but it's very real. Yeah. And it, like you said, it is a grief process. So it is nice to have someone to walk through that grief process with you who's experienced it. Right. Who's had similar situation and can sympathize. That is, is really helpful yeah. for sure. I just had this weird thought that for those of you who are parents of children with celiac, that, you know, you're going to have to teach them that when they start dating, they can't kiss somebody who's been eating gluten. Yeah. Well, That's right. a good point. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a weird thought, but it, it's, it's right. true. Those are the kind of precautions we have to take. So yep. funny and strange as it is. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Is I think it's really really, really sweet that my grandsons come, especially the ones next door, they'll come over and they go, I can touch you, Pinky. I wash my hands. I wash my face. Mm -hmm. I had gluten, but I've washed everything so I can actually touch you. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Even and, Lincoln, who's four, will be like, does this have gluten in it? Can Pinky eat this? Can mm -hmm. I kiss Pinky if I have this? Um, and so they're very aware and they try and keep pinky safe. So that's yeah. just super sweet. It's so, so sweet. Yeah. And I think that's for you, especially it's nice. It's not nice that you have celiacs, but it's nice for us to have a way to serve you because you are so good at serving other people and at putting yourself last. And so I think it's kind of, you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, God teaching you through celiacs to let other people take care of you and to just, you know, that that's okay. You don't have to serve everybody else all the time. Interesting observation, but I think, I think you're right. Yeah. I'm not good at taking help. It's been really interesting how God used that. And also, I can't remember how many times I asked God, what do you have planned for me that I have to be healthy? Because obviously you're putting me on this path of having to eat right yeah. and be healthy, which tells me you have a plan. And so I have to look at it as that there is a purpose for me to be healthy. Yeah. And even just the fact that I feel so much better that I don't look anorexic. I look back at the pictures from those years prior to my diagnosis and 
I'm like, wow, my cheeks were kind of sunken in and they were I was a little hollow. Yeah. Incredibly skinny. I have more of a, an appreciation for, you know, my chubbier cheeks now, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is a way to stay healthy. Still, there, there are still options to be unhealthy, still a lot of sugary things, but right. you can eat meat and vegetables and fruit, and that is a gluten-free diet. That is true. That is true. And there are other grains also, like rice and quinoa. And I learned that I lentils. Really like quinoa. Yeah. I yeah. really don't like lentils. Never have. Yeah. No, that's fine. I'm just like saying, those are, those are other options too. <laughs> Yeah, so you don't have to buy like the package of gluten-free Oreos, but you can. <laughs> so they do have those right. now. For special occasions. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I try to keep most of that out of my house because I will eat it. Yeah. You know, I sure. had 50 some years of um, eating whatever you wanted. Eating whatever I wanted. That was a hard habit to break. Definitely. And I think like the last maybe a piece of encouragement I would offer to family members of people who are diagnosed is just to be really supportive and be really vigilant for your family member. So it's just like mom, it's tiring. Like she said, she just gets tired of having to continue to manage it. So if you can help them take care of themselves, it's like helping them remember to take their medicine. It is (laughs) super helpful for your family members or your friends or loved ones or whomever that, um, that you help them to, um, and be vigilant for them because it just, it it can get really tiring just having to always say, yeah, I need you to change your gloves and I need you to open a new thing of lettuce and I need you to do this and, you know, use a different counter than you've been using. And, you know, it gets tiring. Not all restaurants are happy to do that. Just, just so you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've it's gotten backlash true. on that before. But I just want to give a big shout out to my daughter-in-law, JJ. She goes above and beyond just like Emily to keep me safe. She actually has like certain pans that she keeps that are strictly gluten-free. She's very conscientious about keeping me safe and their whole family is. So uh, like I said, my family has gone above and beyond to take care of me. And I am eternally grateful for them and their willingness to, you know, take these steps to ensure that I stay healthy. I hope and pray that you are all blessed with that, but there will be a lot of bumps in the road. And I, like I said, I would love for you to contact me if you have more questions, if you just need encouragement, Mm -hmm. uh, if you want me to pray for you, because it's, it's a journey. I I will say one of the things that has really come out of this for me, you know, I used to take food to people all the time, babies born, funerals, whatever. I'm so much more aware of asking, you know, do you have allergies or food sensitivities? I'm so much more sensitive to people's needs, like um, people with peanut allergies. I have a friend that he has that. And it really made me much more aware of how individual we are and how our needs are very specific sometimes. I, I think that was a positive outcome for me to be more aware of how to meet the needs of others in that area. Yeah. And I think just real briefly, you mentioned that you dealt with anxiety and depression for 
a decade before you're diagnosed. Tell me really quickly, how do you deal with that now? Do you deal with that now? Did you see a change when you stopped eating gluten? Well, I think just the overall health benefit now, because it went into depression, I did promise my husband to try medication. And so I am still on that. I've tried to wean off that, hoping that my body had healed enough to not need that. Uh, I don't know all the intricacies of the human body and all our systems, but I still take that medication. So, but I rarely, rarely have anxiety anymore, which is just incredible. It's wonderful. Yeah. I feel free again. <laughs> yes. I live my life again and, and have since um, like 2011 when yeah. all of that kind of came to a head in my life. And um, so I feel like it had a huge impact to get all the gluten out of my system and really has made a difference. Yeah. So it's definitely been a huge thing that has improved your, not just physical health, but also your mental health. Right. I can I just, look back at those last few years before I was diagnosed and just how I felt, things I thought, and I'm like, wow, yeah, I was really kind of on a decline yeah. mentally because of the lack of nutrition. So that's another reason. I think it can be really overwhelming to want to eat, to have to eat. Um, a certain way or change to eat in a certain way, but the benefits, not just physically, but also mentally. Oh yeah. Well worth it. Yeah. So I encourage you, it is well worth it. It is not an easy grief journey. You need people beside you to help you and support you and love you uh, as we all do in any kind of grief or major life change. As we like to say, good is not the same as easy. It'll be a good thing, but it won't be easy. That's right. Well, let me pray for us and we'll go ahead and finish. Okay. God, thank you so much for mom and thank you for just the things that you taught her and her willingness to share those with us on the podcast and just in life in general. I just thank you for her encouragement being on the other side of going through this life transformation and this diet transformation And just being able to look back and say, it's difficult, but it's worth it. And um, just thank you for just letting her be my mom. And I just pray that you would encourage our listeners, anybody who's struggling with something like this, or even just struggling with some kind of um, physical issue that could be um, related to gut health or something else, to just pray that you would just give them the courage to seek help and to find a doctor who will listen to them and who will work with them and um, that they would have the same perspective as mom that God wants them healthy for a reason because he's not done using them yet. I just thank you for that. We love you so much and you and we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. We're so glad you're here and we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Thank you.